If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be jumping uh, pretty heavily doing our first big step, I'll say, into off-season conversation for the Colorado Rockies. I'm going to be taking a wide-sweeping angle look at some of the free agents who are out there, uh, philosophically, the way I think the Rockies should be approaching things, what kind of player they should be targeting, and then we can start to put some specific names to those guys. And then I've also got uh, an audience along here on the live we're doing on Periscope today. Uh, one do give one, uh, one do want to give a shout out to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental, who always sponsor uh, the live stuff that I do. But getting into it here, uh, so so they may be asking some questions, and I'll jump into those. I want to begin with the big conversation. Where are we at right now? A lot of people are. I don't want to say stuck on, but I think allowing the framing of the conversation to be uh, well. Jeff Breidich came out and said they don't have any financial flexibility, or rather Dick Monfort came out and said they don't have any financial flexibility, so they're not going to do anything, uh, which is, uh, in in my estimation, as somebody who was in the room when that was said, uh, not quite right. I've said it before. It, it's worth repeating one more time. They said they're not going to make a big splash, but there's lots of interesting things they can do. I've taken a look at the budget with our trusty guy, Patrick Lyons, who's Got to be there to make sure I'm taking a proper look at the budget, let's be honest. And, you know, the Rockies, if they're going to continue to grow things the way they have, they've used this phrase, the responsible growth. They've grown the budget each of the last couple of years. They said they're going to do so again. What this means is, no, they don't have enough to go out and get, certainly not Garrett Cole or Anthony Rendon or anybody on that tier. So what's the next tier down? Is that like... 
Madison Baumgartner, Zach Wheeler, you know, those types of players, still you're looking at probably not unless the Rockies manage to figure out a way to move some contracts out. They're not going to be players in that category, I'm almost certain. But the next one down is probably the highest you could say if they want to go all in on somebody. And they did cut a little bit of budget by non-tendering Chad Bettis and Tyler Anderson. And there are a couple other little things like that that they can do to try to go after somebody in that next level. The thing is, by my research, that next level of players, there aren't a lot of guys that match the Rockies' specific needs. There are some interesting ones. There's Nicholas Castellanos, who's kind of in between those two tiers, and, and depending on how teams look at him, he's a guy we've always been interested in talking about on this podcast, a bat that I think would play really, really well at Coors Field, still in his 20s. But he is a corner guy. He's not known for his defense. He doesn't help the Rockies outfield defense. They've already got a decent number of corner outfielders at this point. And so it's tough to, you know, and, you know, hit me up in the comments or uh, if you're not here with us live, obviously uh, you can email me. uh, You can hit me up on Twitter. You can send me a message on Facebook, whatever methodology you have of, of getting a hold of me. Let me know. But I just don't see the path there. Another one that I think you could kind of get creative on is Didi Gregorius. He's been with the Yankees for the last couple of years. Obviously, Rockies fans remember when he was with the Diamondbacks and he wasn't fulfilling his potential, but he ended up doing that with the Yankees. He always hurt the Rockies. He's a middle infielder. Of course, the Rockies don't have a need at shortstop. <coughs> Excuse me. He is a more high-end guy that I think you could look at and say, well, If they move him to second base and they move Ryan McMahon to first base, of course, that necessitates another move of sending out Daniel Murphy for something. You're you're creating kind of an infield log jam there. But I could see that being an interesting possibility. There are some relievers that start to get into the mix here. The Rockies just wanted to go and spend whatever budget they do have. And I'm expecting a Daniel Murphy type of contract. What they did last year, a couple years for around $12 million, uh, a year. And you can get some decent relievers for that money. Again, the reliever market is one of those things that I think it's going to be very difficult uh, to determine how much is a guy like Will Smith, who had a fantastic season, left-handed, but also kind of came out of nowhere, doesn't have a huge body of work going to get, versus a guy like Dylan Batances, who's kind of on the other side of that, who's had wicked stuff his whole career has been absolutely lights out at times but it's coming off of the worst year of his career you know where is he going to be i i could see them both getting around that kind of area of money that 12 million maybe if they go a little bit lower the rockies would go after one of those guys they're more exciting relief pitcher um potential ads than i think a lot of you know the more realistic possibilities of guys who are just kind of in between i'm looking at uh, Pedro Strope, I'm looking at uh, Steve Shizek. I guess I'm just looking at uh, Cubs mostly, former Cubs. Uh, or We'll see if they end up going back to the Cubs. There are guys in that category that uh, I think are all really interesting. The question is just not knowing which one's going to hit. That's where teams need to have like advanced scouting departments, and uh, there are a lot of people really important to organizations that have to go out and figure out where's this guy at in his career, you know, how healthy is he? What is he putting in to, to try to get better? 
You know, do we think his mentality is going to play at Coors Field? There's so many other questions. There's just kind of a slew of relievers who are 32 to 35 years old who if you put their numbers up against what the Rockies have had, it's not that much better. But uh, Tony Sipp is another guy who's been with the Astros for a while. He's a lefty, uh, but he's getting up there in age. So it, it can be very difficult to tell what exactly these guys are going to net. Chris Martin is a guy who's been with the organization before. Juan Nicasio, a guy who's been with the organization before. There's just reliever after reliever after reliever in this category. And so that's why I think the most likely outcome, I don't want to cut to the end of the offseason as we're just taking our first big step in here. I want to go over each one of these free agents in depth with Patrick at some point. Uh, Maybe not the guys who are taken off the board by the time we get the opportunity to do that. But there's a lot of intriguing options here. And it's one of the reasons why I want to throw out so many names without getting deep into them yet is I, you know, I wrote this article today, as I mentioned, about optimism for the Rockies. And I see a lot of pushback based on this idea that there's just nothing that they can do. They're just stuck. And I think a handful of things have have sort of combined here to make people think that, one of them being the big splash comments, which in some media outlets got turned into Rockies have no financial flexibility comments, uh, which is not quite true. Uh, But also that gets paired with the fact that whatever lack of financial flexibility they do have, it comes specifically from players that are just all on the crap list, I'll say, for Rockies fans. just It's it's just Ian Desmond, Brian Shaw, Jake McGee, Wade Davis, Daniel Murphy, and that's the reason the Rockies have limited financial flexibility. But they do have the financial flexibility to sign a, whether it's a Juan Nicasio, maybe a Will Harris, Chris Martin, a Steve Chizak, a Pedro Strope. There are so many guys out there uh, I, I keep going back to Scooter Jeanette and Joe Panic. There are players who aren't going to cost you that much, who have a lot of upside, and who at the very least can provide you with a kind of veteran backup for the young players that they are still relying on to bounce back and do big things to get the organization to where they need to go. So, uh, you know, as we continue to go through the names here, I think that's one of the big things worth remembering is that there's a large crop of free agents who aren't going to cost a whole lot of money who can bring the Rockies any number of specific solutions to the problems that they have. And I, and I think part of the the big issue here is that you, you tend to think real broadly. The Rockies need to win 20 more games than they did, or the Rockies need to fix all of these fundamental problems, X, Y, and Z. And it's oftentimes a bit more specific than that. And I think what's going on, if they're doing this right, what I've seen so far from these moves where they're letting some guys go, uh, they brought in, uh, or, or I should say they promoted somebody from within the organization, but who's only been there for a little while, and Steve Merriman, who I think is going to have a big impact on making this team a more analytically inclined pitching staff. These are the things you can do to get the most out of it. What are some other things that you can do? 
rather than spend 12 to 15 million dollars on one player and calling it an offseason even if that guy so whatever you think the Rockies biggest need is I've mentioned Tanner Roark a bunch of times he may be the most the Rockies can get right I I called out the other day like somebody asked me this what would you offer Roark I said ideal scenario here's what you do and here's a template you can use for a lot of these kinds of players 10 years, $30 million. That's probably about what Roark is worth. He may be worth a little bit more than that. Uh, but at his age, I think he's, you know, 33. So we're talking about taking him into his age 36 season. That's decent money, too. Ideally, if you're the Rockies, you backload that specifically for the reason that you don't want it to be your entire offseason. Because if you've just got to pay him $10 million this next year, then there's little else that you can go out and do. Maybe get a $2 million, $3 million player, and you're done. Now, if you say, still 10 years, $30 million, but, and this is an oversimplification, it's usually not quite this cut and dry, but just to make the math easy for all of us, you get $5 million the first year, you know, move it on, $10, 15000000 million. You work it out that way so that you've still got the money for this next season to spend on an additional player. You can do this with literally anyone, and you can scale it up and down based on you know the numbers or whatever, but if you just did 5, 10, 15 to get to your 30, the Rockies are going to have a lot more money three years from now than they are this upcoming season. And so that would greatly benefit them if they're going to try to bring in one of these players in the middle salary area. A Tanner Roark, maybe a Jesus Tehran, um, one of those types of players. Julio, I'm sorry, Julio Tehran. Did I say Jesus? Excuse me. Um, and so the other way you can go and this is probably what I would do, even though I really do like the idea of Roark. And if you can do Roark and backload it that way and, and go out and get another reliever, I think that's the best scenario. But if you can't do that, if he is your whole offseason, I'd probably go the other way and look at signing three, four, or five. Now, now you do have to worry about roster spots at some point. You don't have just five roster spots to give away. You got to start cutting young guys. We saw him let go of Rico Garcia. I think part of the reason why is that they're really looking at other people to bring into the organization. They're going to be signing free agents. They got some young guys to protect in the Rule 5 as well, and we'll go over that list before too long. But attack it with numbers. If you ask me, get a couple of relievers, get a couple of veteran position players who you think fill in for example, like it depends on what else they're going to do, right? And this is why I think this is just naturally the players are going to be left because all of the big dollar items typically go first. So a lot of the most coveted players are going to be off the board. But that's fine. The Rockies can't afford them anyway. Then there's going to be haggling over some of these middle ground players. And the Rockies are inevitably going to lose out on some interesting ones, whoever goes first. If someone comes out hot and decides they just like Roark or Tehran or some of these other guys that I've been mentioning and they offer them 15 million 
and they decide that that's the market. Or Will Smith or Dellen Betances gets 15, 17 million for a year. You go, oh, okay. Then we really got to go budget shopping. If, however, they get closer to 10 million, then you start jumping in there at some of these other guys in that range. You let that kind of decide the market. And by the end, there's still going to be a pretty decent crop of guys available in that lower range. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, I am forced to ask myself this question. I've, I've been seeing, you know, I, I don't want to rehash the center field argument, but I want to finish up segment one on this. Because as I was going through these numbers, I, I keep being reminded that there's been some weird push. I'm not sure why to get Harrison Bader from the Cardinals, for which the Rockies would have to make a trade. And Billy Hamilton is still a free agent. And you remember, if you were listening to this podcast throughout much of last season, I talked about both Billy Hamilton and D. Gordon as possibilities in center field to solve this exact problem. So I don't disagree with people when they talk about how the Rockies could get better, need to get better defensively, all the other stuff. One, I feel like people really are forgetting that the Rockies have handed over center field to a younger, much more athletic group of guys, and they may well have a super defender among them. Now, we don't know, and so it's fair to say we don't know whether or not any of them, Dahl, Tapia, Hampson, Hilliard, there's a lot to learn about each one of those guys and how they're going to handle major league center field at Coors. But if you want to get a player who's defense first and has almost no offensive utility, the only thing that Harrison Bader does that Billy Hamilton doesn't do, is he hits some home runs. He hit 12 home runs last year, 12 home runs the year before. Other than that, he hit 205. He on base 314. He slugged 366. Harrison Bader was terrible offensively, and he only stole 11 bases. If, if you're expecting him to be a, anything on offense, you're not getting it. So it's just defense and you'd have to make a trade. Whereas Billy Hamilton, you can probably sign... At this point, you may be able to sign Billy Hamilton to a minor league deal because you know, his 218 batting average is a little bit higher, but he doesn't slug at all at 275. Zero home runs. He'd have 22 stolen bases. 289 on base, not very good. Surprised he walks 9.1% of the time. That's, that seems high for a guy who has no power. Um, he strikes out less than Harrison Bader, who strikes out about 28% of the time. Hamilton strikes out about 24% of the time, which I think would bode much better at Coors Field. Um, but you wouldn't have to give up anything. You could probably get him on a minor league deal, or you could get him for $1 million. Like getting him and bringing him into the organization probably wouldn't cost you anything. would give you an opportunity to show off the theory, I guess, that that getting a, a defender out there really does make that big of a difference because he's the better defender, too. Like For me, Harrison Bader is a half measure. 
He's a guy who's not as good defensively. He's pretty good. He's he's very good. But Billy Hamilton is one of the best defensive center fielders. If he wasn't, he wouldn't be in baseball. <laughs> That's no matter how fast you are. He's an exceptional defender. He's got a really good arm on top of it. A lot of times those guys who are super defense and fast have no arm. He's got a very good arm. Get Billy Hamilton, and, and you don't have to give up anything to get him. And there's a slew of guys like that, whether you're talking about relievers. That, that kind of fits into the Scooter Jeanette, Joe Panic category. Those guys coming off real down years. But a lot of tools there, a certain floor because they have certain skills for them. It's defense that are just going to play. But I'd, I'd be bringing them all in. I, I'd be I'd want to have like that that scene in Major League where everybody shows up to spring training and none of them know each other, right? Just, <laughs> who's this guy? Just a whole bunch of guys bringing them in from around the league, uh, have a big competition at spring training, see who looks like they're going to have a good year, and roll with it. Uh, but I'd, I'd attack this thing with numbers now that I'm really starting to look at the free agents available uh, especially because I don't even think that the second-tier free agents, unless like Zach Wheeler, like that would be the biggest possible conceptual thing I could see the Rockies reaching for. And even then, in order to do that, they would have had to have made a trade uh, prior in order to clear out some money. That's, that's, I think Zach Wheeler qualifies as a big splash, so you can take that one off the board. But let's... All keep remembering, little splashes can add up. And there's some really intriguing names here. Uh, Even on the lower end, like reclamation starting pitcher projects, like Andrew Kashner, Ivan Nova. Like these are guys who've had decent careers, uh, had down years for bad teams, are looking to rebound. Uh, you know, would they take a one-year deal in Colorado to show that, hey, if I was great there, anybody else could sign me for a lot more? Because there's still talent in those arms. Speaking of talent, I hope everyone got out to the uh, Never Summer event on opening day, snowpening day, as our good friend Ryan Koningsberg called it. If not, sorry, you can still be drinking the Breckenridge Broom. Any event you get out to, they're going to be doing all kinds of fun stuff throughout the winter time. So you can follow along at our events calendar. But as long as you're having yourself a vanilla porter, an avalanche amber, Colorado core, whatever you're drinking from Breck Brew, you know you've got yourself some damn good beer. I did get one question in here that I wanted to uh, respond to, though. I've got to ask a question back first because uh, it simply says from C. Jameson, how much would you give the kid from Boston? I want to make sure I know which kid uh, from Boston you're talking about. If you're talking about uh, Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts is not a a free agent. That would have to be a trade, but I'd be more than happy to see if I could figure something out there, some kind of trade. But I want to make sure that that's uh, what you're talking about there. As you respond to that, I want to go over a couple of the uh, moments I had, uh, moments I had, reasons I had, really, 
Oh, uh, you're talking about Eduardo Rodriguez, the lefty starting pitcher. Is that right? The the starting pitcher, lefty? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, I would think he'd be in that next range up, and he might be a, a $15 million a season guy, and so it might be just out of the Rockies' price range. You know, and if he if he's more than that, if he's a twenty million guy, and he could be just out of being lefty, if people see a certain amount of uh, potential there, uh, I, I'm going to see him as probably just outside of the Rockies' price range. But with so many options on the board that could end up diluting the market overall because a lot of teams are going to be doing exactly what I'm doing right now, which is looking around and going, eh, do, do I want to give Eduardo Rodriguez 15 or $16 million when I could give Tanner Roark 11 or 12 or Julio Tehran or, uh, you know, so... Uh, and we've seen over the last couple of years these kind of stagnant markets as well, right? Teams are more and more reluctant to play some of these, pay, pay some of these players. The and it's not the super high end guys. We all saw Bryce Harper, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado got paid. It was kind of the Dallas Keuchel who got left out, right? And he's in a similar situation this year. He's right in this category again, where he doesn't demand Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, Madison Bumgarner type of money or attention but he's on that next tier down i don't think teams are very interested in those you either go for the big dollar ticket item that it either works out because that player's awesome and way to go or it doesn't and no one can really blame you because you tried really hard and you got the player everyone knows is good <coughs> or <laughs> You go the other way. You go for the guys who don't cost much but may end up well outperforming their contracts. And there's just a lot of those types of players on the market right now. A lot of them. And it's going to be a really important season basically for like the Rockies advanced scouting department. A guy named John Weil who I've had an opportunity to talk to a couple of times uh, we interviewed for a piece. I think we published that one in spring training of this year. And this is what he does. He goes out and kind of tries to get these guys known a little bit better in the organization and figure out who would work well as a Rocky. And it's time for, for John to, to earn his salary. <coughs> Excuse me. Just dusty in here today. Got another question uh, from Reese. It says, are we going to rely on prospects to fix our bullpen woes, especially late inning situations? I think it's going to be largely that, but I think they've got to present themselves with options. Uh, I think option number one right now, first of all, Scott Oberg is your closer. You got to feel pretty good about that. Uh, he's, he had fantastic numbers. He's still just now going to be 30 years old. You feel good about Scott Oberg. If you're setting it up right now, your setup men are Diaz and Estevez, who finished the season really strong, but there are still some big question marks there. There are some really interesting, as you put it, prospects who could come up. Ben Bowden is a guy who could factor into this. 
their number of conversion candidates, uh, including Yancy Almonte, who was there in the bullpen this year. But even guys like, you know, Chichi Gonzalez, Tim Melville, that's more for the longer inning stuff. I do think Wade Davis is going to be a factor. If he's on the roster, I know people aren't happy with him right now, but I think he figures out a way to have a much better season next year. And especially because he's not going to start as the closer, he's going to have a ton of incentive to try to get his next contract and pitch himself back toward the back end of the rotation. And he's going to be really good. My prediction right now, my early prediction, if Wade Davis remains on the roster for next season, is that he's going to have a, a pretty decent year. He's going to end up being a quality setup man for Scott Oberg. So I, I think, yeah, a lot of it's going to be internal, but it can't just be that not with this many options out there and available not with this many intriguing candidates from andrew miller i think he got signed not andrew miller he's not a free agent anymore anymore but um a few of these other guys who was i'm sorry it was will harris and will smith on down to i don't want to go to some of the guys they're like like pat neshek is still out there like looking for a job at 38 years old i think like there there are a lot of interesting ones that you could go through uh and at some point we, we will do this we're going to break them up into individual episodes and patrick and i are going to go by you know just line by line on every single one of these free agents and see who would make sense for the rockies but they should be counting they on some of their own internal pitchers to come up and help in the bullpen and the rotation, but they've got to pair that with competition from veterans from outside the organization. And uh, see, Jamison also wants to know, do the Rockies make a serious run at catcher in the offseason? Uh, I think they're going to... <laughs> I'm going to answer your question perhaps a bit more literally than you'd like. I think they're going to make a serious run at catcher. I don't know that they're going to acquire one. I think there are some decent candidates there. They're, first of all, they're not going to get Yasmani Grandal. Take him off the board. It's not going to happen. He's too rich for their blood, and I don't think it's a good would be a good use of their resources anyway. Even if they could afford him, I don't think spending their whole offseason on Yasmani Grandal would solve the problems that the Rockies need. I know there are some people who disagree, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty firmly in that camp. I don't think Grundahl gets it done for you. I do think there are some other intriguing veteran options here. Jason Castro bringing back Jonathan Lucroy right now. That's my favorite. And that's not, you know, a, a, a move that if the Rockies make people go, ah, oh, they're going back to the postseason now. They got Lucroy. Call it good. Rocks got it. Wild card team bringing back Luke Croy. Like I don't, I don't think that's the move, right? But I do think that that could be one of those under the radar, lower risk moves that you can make that still allows you to go after some pitching that actually really does get the most out of Tony Walters as well. You can play them both, and he's already got a relationship with the pitchers. Uh, you know, Nick Hundley is a less, far less exciting option that makes sense in a similar way. Uh, but I also think guys like Jason Castro or Tyler Flowers or Travis Darno are really intriguing. And so it'll depend on what the market is. I don't think you want to overpay any of those guys. All of them have the same problem Walters does, which is 
that they're defense first and have some major offensive problems. If the Cubs really do get real interested in trading Wilson Contreras, I think the Rockies should get in on that conversation. He's a fantastic catcher, but they're going to be looking to rebuild their farm system, and the Rockies are already in a weird spot when it comes to their prospects. They've got a lot of great young talent, but they don't have a lot of great young talent in the top level of their farm system at this particular moment in time, so they just might not have the matching pieces unless they feel like they want to move Brendan Rodgers. But I don't think you should trade Brendan Rodgers for uh, Wilson Contreras at this point. So those are kind of the candidates as I see it at this point. Uh, Do I think Jeff Breidich is lenient enough to make the moves this offseason due to bad free agent signings in the past? Well, that's part of the reason why I think he's going to go this route anyway is – You know, and I've said this before on the podcast, but again, it's worth kind of repeating and reminding is if the Rockies did have a huge budget, right? Imagine for a second, Dick Monfort never said the big splash comment. In fact, imagine he said the exact opposite. What would it make the most sense for the Rockies to spend that money on? Pitching, 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 and more pitching. Starting pitching, relief pitching, doesn't matter, pitching. The problem with that is that never, not once, not ever, zero times in the history of the Colorado Rockies have they spent big money on pitching and had it work out. You look at a list of the best pitchers in Rockies history. I don't care how you measure it. ERA, ERA plus minus, innings pitched, strikeouts. I pick, I do not care. Pick one. 90% of the top 15 to 20 names on that list are going to be either players that the Rockies grew up through their own organization, either through drafts or maybe they acquired them in the minor leagues, but still through their, like Marquez, I'm counting through their own organization, acquired as a minor leaguer. Or they came from outside the organization but really weren't known like Jorge De La Rosa. You know, that 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 type of guy. I can think of one off the top of my head who was considered really, really good in Cleveland and then came to Colorado and was really mostly just very good. That's Rafael Betancourt. The one pitcher I can think of off the top of my head who was just Real good somewhere else came to Colorado and continued to be real good and got, you know, paid. Uh, well, it, it, that was a trade. So while it may be doom and gloom for some people to say, oh, they just don't have any money to spend. They have some money to spend and spending it all on one player for the problem they have has never worked out for them before anyway. Reunite with Juan Nicasio and Jonathan Lucroy and Pat Neshek. There's an interesting offseason. No one's going to get excited about that. They'll be panned in all the national papers for saying they're not rebuilding and calling that a good offseason, that they got a potentially a backup catcher for Wolters or a guy who's going to platoon with Tony Wolters, a righty and two righty relievers who are one who's probably way past his prime and the other who's never been that exciting to begin with. But I'd be going, you know, that's 
decent. They got stuff where they needed it to. Opportunities for late inning relief out of either of those guys. If they both hit, you've really shored up the bullpen. Luke Roy's going to help all of your pitching as well. And then you could still go out, and if you're worried about the defense, sign Billy Hamilton. I'm never going to let go of this Billy Hamilton thing. And yeah, I don't I really don't think there's any way Dallas Keuchel comes to Denver. And and there's and that's part of the other problem here too is that and I it's surprising that I haven't mentioned it yet, but it's the Coors Field tax. If you're going to get these pitchers in, you can't just pay them what the market says. You got to pay them what they think it takes to get them to Coors Field. Uh, Wild Innocent asks, do we see any more coaching changes? Not any major ones. I could see some shuffling around in the minor leagues, but I don't think anything else is going to change. Dave Magan and Jeff Salazar, I think, will continue to be the hitting coaches. Bud Black's going to be there, that whole deal. I think I think the big one was uh, Darren Holmes out, Daryl Scott up, Sean Merriman up. I think that's the going to be mostly it. And then Reese asks, is McMahon the long-term first baseman for this team with Rodgers at second? Probably, they just, if they can get there. You know, and, and that's, for me, uh, still priority one would be trying to find someone to take Daniel Murphy off your hands. And, and I'm not as down on him as most of the fan base is. If he's on the roster, he would still be my starting first baseman for the Rockies next year with McMahon over at second. But I'd be shopping him hard. I, I would be trying to get anyone I could out there to take him because it just opened up so many other things for the roster, and you do have McMahon to go play first base. All kinds of fun things that can happen that way, and we can dig into all of that on the next episode, but I am going to sign off here for now. Thanks to everyone for listening in. Make sure you're following us on the social media at DNVR underscore Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Subscribe to DNVR using promo code Drew. Help me win some free beer. Otherwise, I just hope you'll continue to be absolutely awesome. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs. 
you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more.